I'm Jason Klom, and this is the Comedy on Vinyl podcast. The year is 2005. The album, Opium. The artist, Matt Berry. And my guest this week, Nick Robes returns. Hi, Nick. Whoop, whoop. What's happening? Um, all I can say is, I pull back my skin and push forward with triumphant vigor. Can I tell you, uh, you sent this and I'm like, okay, so what am I, am I going to be listening to Matt Berry doing comedy music or am I going to be listening to him doing serious music or is it a take on serious music? And at the end of it, I cannot tell you what I listened to, but I did love it. Here's my counter. Can Matt Berry even answer that question? I don't know. The man is, uh, I don't like to say that people are born funny, but his way of speaking is unavoidably funny. There's a, uh, in his rock opera, ADBC, yeah. the opening to it, it goes, uh, uh, man, like a sickened dog, <laughs> craves for what he believes to be sacred. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hard to, I can't, ex- you can't explain Matt Berry to somebody, because you could be like, uh, do you know who this is? No. Have you seen this? No. Like, oh, well, he does this funny voice. Let me try and do the voice. And they could be like, okay, wait, all right, well, I guess you have to see him also. And you also have to, there's no imitating him, first of all, like you can try. I can't, I can't explain Matt Berry, so this is going to be a real tough road to hoe, Nick. (laughs) How did you hear about this out? This came out in 2005. When did you first hear it, and how did you even find out it existed? Well, so I I probably ran into it because of, uh, when I was on my way out of college, um, I had a friend who got really into Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Sure. Which is a great show, mm-hmm. uh, completely insane and ridiculous, and so much fun. And it really toes the line between humor and homage and all these kinds of things. And so we became obsessed with the song in whatever it is, episode six, One Track Lover, which is performed by Matt Barry. Yeah, right. Uh, and so at one point I was probably, you know, YouTubing that and it suggested something else. And I was like, Ooh, what's this? And it was like, Oh, he's got, you know, a music career seemingly. And so opium was the first album that I bought. And I was just, I was so like blown away by how weird it made me feel. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Because because similar to what you're saying, I couldn't figure out, like I was expecting, it was like when I bought uh, uh, the first Childish Gambino album, uh-huh. I was really just familiar with Donald Glover from Community. Sure. And, you know, the bro rape video. And so I was like, um, oh, this is going to be like kind of a comedy album. And it wasn't. And I was kind of like, oh, he also does this rap thing. Interesting. Mm-hmm. With Matt Berry, there was none of that certainty. I was like, is the, does he think he's being funny or right. <laughs> is this like completely serious? Yeah, I know. Because it also took me a few tracks to realize that some of the singing voices are him. I did not. I figured because I'm like, there's no way he he sings like that. He, he must be Shatner talking because he maybe doesn't have a great singing voice. I had forgotten what you're talking about. I'd forgotten that he'd done a song on on other stuff. But his voice on w- when he's actually singing through these, he's kind of a beautiful singing voice. I don't know who the backing band is. Do you know anything about? Because I can't find it. Do you know anything? I about think it's mostly music? him. 
Wow. He's a he's a multi-instrumentalist and so he does a lot of his recordings at home. That's insane. That's Yeah, which is nuts. That's upsetting to me if he played all of this that I I hate him even more. I love him, yeah. but I hate that he's that good. He's kind of like a schlubby prince, you know? Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He like and, Oh my god, if that's the case, that's really frustrating because psychedelia is another thing. It's one thing to play your own music, it's another thing to make it psychedelic. That's that's wall of sound shit. That's, that's a lot of mixing. That's a lot of um playing with certain sounds and knowing exactly how they have to interact. I ah, yeah. Yeah, well, the layering of the vocals, mm-hmm. you know, all the different synthesizer sound effects and all these kinds of things. It, I mean, he is like it is reminiscent of you know like a Harry Nielsen or like one of these like studio rat esque uh, uh, artists from mm-hmm. the sixties and seventies you know like a Brian Wilson or something like that. Sure. He's he's that weird uh, nerd mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who who obsesses about all these bizarre things to create this this work that feels uh, you know incredibly familiar but also mm-hmm. somehow totally unique. Right, and you also can't deny that like you know if if anybody i suggest anybody listening to this grab the covers online just take a look at the covers of all of his albums they're all a play on what records looked like at the time so he's obviously Mm -hmm. having fun with it so that's definitely there yes you know he genuinely loves this stuff. I mean, I, I sent you that video of uh, him talking about <laughs> Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah, like a serious <laughs> like, take on how much he loves it. And yet the video of him talking about how much he loves it is filled with all these ridiculous, like, turns to camera and, like, yeah. you know, uh, bizarre pronunciations of words that he does. And it's like, uh-huh. well, you love this thing, but there's still this, like, you're still humorous, uh, you know, I mean, it's that uh-huh. naturally funny. He just can't help it. He's just like, I want to do it like this. Yeah, and I can't, uh, yeah, I can't wrap my fucking head around it. Uh, wh- the back, By the way, the back of this album, of the CD anyway, is him in a chair with a Jack Russell Terrier on his lap reading a book entitled Jack Russell Terrier. And <laughs> come on. Come on. <laughs> the, uh, the cover to... Uh, what is it kill the wolf or it's just him in a field yes. but for some odd reason one of his hands is a cloven hoof for like no reason <laughs> it's totally just this serious thing just this one element's out of place mm-hmm. it's just ah, oh, it's 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 amazingly subtle for how wild it can be which i feel right. like is almost like a a very british thing i mean there are parts of this that feel like uh, like a, a, a Monty Python album, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I remove my boots to make love. And you can hear the jingly piano downstairs yep. and like he's burping. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I smell gin. You know, it's mm-hmm. just, it's so over the top and it, it creates these little vignettes. I mean, it, it is like part sketch comedy album, sure. part psychedelia album. You know, it it plays on all of these tropes from the 70s and, you know, uh, it's 
equal parts, you know, ELO and like a James Bond theme song. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just bizarre. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm becoming increasingly more familiar with takes on psychedelia than I am actual psychedelic music. Like XTC did what? Three full albums of, of psychedelic music, two of them under the name of a different band entirely. Um, mm. and then, uh, I, and then I've totally lost the other ones, but I mean, I know that I know that I've heard other takes on it because I think it's very, it's a, it's an open field. You can do a lot within that genre if you even want to call it a genre. Yeah. And, but, but at the end of the day, like it still needs to be funky. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, look, man, we're we're all about experimenting, and you know, we got this cool toy that if you put your hand near it, it goes. <laughs> but uh, also, we're going like. <laughs> that that's how you imagine it went. That, I, that sounds accurate. Sounds well. Accurate. It's. I was uh, I was talking about Radiohead with a friend the other day. And we were talking specifically about the album OK Computer. And it's like, all of these songs are just uh, like sad bastard emo songs, acoustic guitar, singer songwriter. But then it's, that's not the interesting part about it. The interesting part is then what's layered on after the fact. Right. It's like, it's just, I mean, writing that album is a fairly straightforward process of like here's a melody line here's a uh you know uh, a harmonic thing you could do all of this with, with an acoustic guitar but then after the fact you add in all the beeps and boops and that's what makes it interesting mm-hmm. this i feel like i don't know where you begin writing some of this stuff right. like i don't know what the genesis of you know, the hangman is, mm-hmm. where, you know, send in the clowns, they said, but do be prepared for all the blood and red noses. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know, do you start with, like, a beat and just start riffing over it, or do you have these lines and you're like, what is the world? You know, I don't know what the genesis of this is. Right. And why, I mean, other than being a person who obviously must have, I mean, he, he quite clearly describes and even visually plays out in the videos you sent me, you know, the whole concept of him just sitting laying back and listening to Jesus Christ Superstar and how it opened up his mind so much so he's probably listened to a billion of these albums so it's in his blood but yeah other than the spoken word stuff maybe he started with the spoken word stuff um which is like that's that would be the core of the most obviously funny stuff on here but I'm sure yes. there's more subtle stuff I would catch on a second and third listen of it also, that stuff goes away. Yes, in right. his later albums. Oh, oh so like his later, his later albums, albums okay. are much more like straightforward. They're basically just like psychedelic rock or folk albums. Mm-hmm. Like he does, kind of pull away from like the overtly uh, uh, sketch elements of it, mm-hmm. which I feel like is what he wanted to do from the beginning. But he's like, ah, I'm kind of known for this thing. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, this is what I'm going to do, you know? But right. he's like, what I really want to do <laughs> is just remake Mike Oldfield albums. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I feel like you get a rough idea of who he is by looking. If you didn't know who he was and you picked this album up out of nothing, you get a rough idea mm. who he is from the cover. Maybe, maybe. But then I don't think you expect that voice to come out of that face. I don't. I think that's part of <laughs> part of the juxtaposition of why he's so damn funny. Yeah, and that actually is, I found this fascinating. So Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, infamously the sound is very bizarre on it, just the sound mixing in general. And so they'd film a scene where he talks, 
and then they would have him do the scene over again, but with the microphone right up on him <laughs> so that he knew how he said it so he could say it exactly the same way, but the sound doesn't sound proper. It, you know, everything. every time he talks is always like, very up close to the microphone and look, Dag, you are my best friend. <laughs> and it's that incongruity and that deep booming radio voice out of this dude. Uh-huh. You know? I, but I also love that and Tim Rice and, and, uh, and Andrew Lloyd Webber were more than willing to sit down with him and have a serious conversation with him about Jesus Christ <laughs> Superstar. That I wasn't expecting that to actually happen when you sent me that video. Yeah, oh, right. Okay, that's fun. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh! And the fact that both of them are like, yeah, you know, we were, we were twenty six years old, whatever. Yeah, right. <laughs> and that they were more than willing to be like, yeah, somebody, we we'd love to see somebody else do this. Like, do it, mm. do a take on that album. Why not? That would be fun. I am not familiar with Jesus Christ Super Superstar at all, which is weird because I'm a musical person ish. I like musicals, um, but I I have never ever heard it. I've never heard the album oh. or seen the show. I have uh, I've played in the pit band for that a couple times uh-huh and uh i grew up watching the original mm-hmm. um weirdly enough uh uh grew, growing up in a catholic household that was like uh that was like you know hey let's get the kids in here that was like look uh jesus is hip jesus is cool he's into rock music <laughs> <laughs> so like you know it would like when I was in Catholic school, that would be like the Friday movie. It's like, let's watch Jesus Christ Superstar. And it's like, cool. All uh, right. Uh. <laughs> wow. I yeah. love that. Jesus! Uh, yeah. And the fact that he's able to kind of capture that 70s funk Mm-hmm. Not only instrumentally, but like it is, you know, he's got that weird voice that oscillates between that deep booming thing. Mm-hmm. But then he's up here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a part that blew my mind. I was like, wait, is that actually him? I had to ask myself yeah. that out loud. And I'm like, oh, my God, it is. He's got such range. He- I expected him to, but I guess. But, you know, you don't know how much is put on when he's doing his regular voice. And he sounds like. He sounds like a 70s artist. Like, he is a fetishist mm-hmm. about, you know, obsessively listening to this kind of stuff and recreating it, you know, wanting mm-hmm. to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's true. So that's amazing. a big part of Garth Marenghi also. You're like, this is a weird group of, what, him, Richard Iwade, and uh, I, I think they're probably the key, the core of it, I, I would imagine, because Richard Iwade is, you know, the only one of them, I think, who's gone on to direct a ton. Um yeah, uh, uh, um, Matt Holdness yes. uh, was yep. the uh, creator of Garth Marenghi. Right. Uh, incidentally enough, I I know the guy that the title comes from. What? Uh, really? I know, yeah, I know Charlie Marenghi, uh-huh. <laughs> who went to school with Matt Holdness. That's uh, funny. And yeah, I've, I got the story where he got an email one day being like, hey, I'm doing this thing. Do you mind if I use your name for it? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, but also, like, a little bit of the boosh as well. Um, it, 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 the, the, what, what, where Matt Berry overlaps with the boosh is kind of the, um, the sort of simplicity in execution. You know, you mm. just kind of, like, you, you, you don't put too many frills on an idea you just kind of say like you know all right uh 
there's a there's a guy and he's made out of bubble gum. Okay, well, what does that mean? Who cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's just explore. <laughs> like, just do a it. Guy made out of bubble gum, and we'll go from there. Yeah, that's. Uh... Yeah, right. <laughs> and then they're gonna sing a song about it. Okay. <laughs> it's interesting though that, that to be able to have such a simple idea and also again apply such a realistic aesthetic to things like Garth Marenghi or this. I mean, there's mm. no. I say aesthetic in this case. There's not an aesthetic in terms of they don't age it or anything, but it is played so on the nose that I think you could convince somebody that this album was 40 years older than it is if you played it right. Yeah, well, we kind of talked about this with Randy Newman a little bit mm-hmm. where, like, if you put this on the in, in the background of a party, mm-hmm. aside from the, the spoken word stuff, I don't think people would realize what's going on, you right. know? 100%. Like, you could have this playing in the background, not pay attention, and be like, Oh, this is, is this like a, a Grand Funk Railroad album I never heard? Like, mm-hmm. you know, is this, you know, whatever. Is this Mike Oldfield? What's going on here? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my gosh. There's, uh, I'm I'm also trying, I'm digging through some of the, the lyrics as well. Lyrics, <laughs> uh, not lyrics, most of the spoken word stuff. I, I, I can't, like, I feel like I almost need to play clips in this episode, uh, which I never, ever do. But it's hard to explain this. I I don't. If you were to pick, which is which is the exemplar track that I would play for the audience? Like, what would oh you think? Oh my gosh, that is that. It's tough because I I almost feel like something like Hangman, mm-hmm. where where you know it ends with the like, uh, uh, what does he say? Oh, it's you, the Hangman. <laughs> Do come in, and then there's like the. <laughs> like this like orchestral explosion you know i, I it is like it's serious mm-hmm. it's uh, uh it's an homage but also like there are elements of comedy uh sure, but then yeah. like the 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 fucking what's it called the one where he's uh above the frying pan how you know um <laughs> love is a fool it's it there, there are so many things from it that are, I don't know, it, it is an album. Like, it is a cohesive album. It yeah. is just a very great statement as a unit. You know what I'm saying? For sure. Do you think he has but, yeah, any, probably... any desire or ever had any desire to 100%? Like, I want to know if he's if he's got a stage show in him that isn't ADBC. Like, I want to know if there's a full-length something in there. Because I feel like there is. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, maybe. That that's the other thing. Is he, he every time you see him in an interview, he's also just like so demure mm-hmm. and like he he almost seems uncomfortable all the time, which right. is amazing. Uh-huh. And you know, like he like it, it seems to me that he just kind of obsessively does things, but there's no there's no grand scheme. There you know, he's not Damien Hurst or something mm-hmm. where it's like the explanation is 10 times longer than the thing that he made. You know what I'm saying? He's just kind of like, well, my album, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which by the way, I 100% respect as a piece of art. And I think, I think that does kind of, again, kind of goes through everything that those guys do. And that goes from the smallest weird, like some, you know, Richard Iwade does everything from like, I'm no, I'm going to direct like well-respected films to, Oh yeah, no, I'm, I'm a big time like reality star. Well, or at least like a host type person in England still constantly. <laughs> oh my God. And it's just like yeah, t- travel man is well, I've been obsessively watching I travel man recently. Show. I love it so especially much. with the quarantine right uh-huh. now. Of course, of course. <laughs> 
how it doesn't become a royal fudge up. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very good Richard. Uh, that, and that's the other thing too is like, so what's the bit? No, the bit is the bit is that this is how he maybe how he speaks, maybe not how he actually speaks. But the bit will never end. You are never going to see the 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 end of this. Uh, I don't think. And I, I again, you're going to question it. That's fine. Same thing with Matt Barry. You can you will question it forever. There's nothing deeper than it's none of your business. Just let him be him. <laughs> you know, is yeah. what, how it feels. Well, be, because what he's what he's obsessed with, or what he's you know, uh, uh, recreating or inserting himself into is this tradition of, you know, music, of popular music that is fundamentally ridiculous, but we kind of don't question it. You know what I'm saying? So, like, somebody like Dio is ridiculous. Dio is insane. He's wearing, like... ridiculous outfits he's singing about rainbows in the dark and holy divers but (laughs) if you don't question it and you go with him on that journey like it is epic and Mm -hmm. you know fun and uh uh, mythological and uplifting but the minute you see a guy you you wake up and see this guy wearing leather (laughs) wristlets Mm -hmm. and that haircut it's like this dude's an idiot (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh... (laughs) and you know even mike oldfield you listen to tubular bells sure and you you get you know to whatever it is minute 23 of tubular bells when all the instruments start playing the theme and he is just announcing instruments and they play a thing and it is supremely dumb mm-hmm. it's so dumb i love listening to it because he's just like bass guitar and it's like <laughs> you know finally you get to the moment where he's like tubular bells and you it's so over the top and funny but if you can lose yourself in it, mm-hmm. you don't realize the ridiculousness of it. And that's that's what Matt Berry's doing. Like he's just laying bare like this this th- these these moments. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, eh, whatever. And yeah, they're funny, but they're also they work. For <laughs> they sure. They all work. Yeah. Ah, yeah. I mean, that that was my thing. That was why I was torn. I'm like, what do I, and I think that becomes the mistake and the mistake that a lot of idiots make like myself, where it's like, how far do I need to delve into this? Or should I be over? Am I overthinking it? Yeah, you probably are. Allow it to happen. And that I mean, and I, I think that is underappreciated uh, for art in general is just allowing it to happen. You don't have to dig if it's made well enough, if it gives you everything. I think, you know, I could be. You're allowed to dig if you want, but yeah, you right. might get both lost e- in both the Both exist. You know? Yeah, you absolutely. Know? Both exist, mm-hmm. you know? Like, you, you can watch something like, uh, you know, uh, uh, one of my weird obsessions is the 70s um, Dr. Seuss cartoons that Chuck Jones did. Sure. Uh, and the, the Cat in the Hat one specifically is... It's a fun little cartoon. There's a lot of animation elements that are great. There are songs in it that are great. But also there's this weird philosophical element to it that uh, is like this weird like post-Derrida like deconstruction element of language that's happening in it. And uh-huh. I don't think that was purposeful at all. But it happens. <laughs> but it happens. And I can enjoy right. it because it's a good cartoon. And I can enjoy it because of these ridiculous philosophical elements that I'm able to draw out of it. You right. know, both exist simultaneously. And in, in, in this album, we've got this element of 
something though that does keep sucking us back into don't forget there's something else going on you don't have to necessarily know what it is but that other thing going on is whatever matt barry's voice is that is its yeah. own thing it's an element it is a, it is it is elemental in this album and in his comedy it's a thing we don't get over here because people are afraid to do character comedy in the same way they are over there where I think they've actually exper- – because character comedy can be terrible, and there's bad English character comedy. There are characters like sure. a guy named Keith Lemon whose character is his fucking hairdo or some shit. I don't know what his <laughs> deal is. But then you've got Matt Berry, who I think is several notches above. It can play at several notches lower where he is – you can place him in any sitcom and he works because he's funny and because he's good at what he does. But the IT crowd. Of course, yeah. Put him in that. Put him in yeah. uh he's now in uh What We Do in the Shadows, the TV show. Oh uh, my god, so good in that. So, so fucking good. And he's still he's Matt Berry, undeniably Matt Berry. He's used because he's Matt Berry. Fortunately, he's also a very good actor and he wouldn't work otherwise, but it's also there's a character within there, and that character is Matt Berry. He's also there, possibly playing the character. You don't have to get too deep about it if you don't want, but it is so iconic and so um powerful. That it is always there reminding you that you are watching a comedy or that you are watching something confusing. Because I think he's a confounding person. Uh, yeah, you yeah. Because Toast of London, I feel very much the same way. <laughs> yeah. It definitely plays for humor more. Mm-hmm. But the surreal elements of it sort of balance out the comedy to a point where it feels almost... Uh, uh, like Lynch light or something, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the surreality of it uh, uh, balances to a point where you're not just being delivered like a laugh track, you know, that's yeah. kind of how, and I feel like that's sort of the, the, it, he operates in this, this ambiguous area of sincerity and irony that it's not fully realized and that you know that's the kind of uh uh uh, leonard cohen-esque uh you know the cracks are where the light shines through sort of Mm -hmm. uh uh, uh, area that he uh lives in yeah you know i think that maybe maybe this is and here's where i'm gonna get really up my ass but i think this is like where the challenge lies and i i think it's the fact that he's doing exactly what you say he's he's um, fuck, how, how did you put it? Two seconds ago, before you said Leonard Cohen, exactly. Oh, my brain, just shut up. <laughs> what you, uh, 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 yeah, I, well, balancing sort of sincerity and irony. Yeah, thank you, there we go. Balancing sincerity and irony, but doing it in a way where... Because <laughs> that is a valid thing, and it's a thing I think about an awful lot. And I, 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 hmm. I think it's okay to, like, think about that concept. Like, you know, I did a whole documentary about a thing, and I'm sorry, people, I've repeated this a million times, but it's a big part of my life. I did a documentary for eight years on a thing I was trying to make fun of, and then eventually I really appreciated it by the end of it. And it changed the tone of the movie. But to do it the way he's doing it with like an active narrator or an active character who is there and who is undeniably funny that also challenges you to take what he's doing seriously uh and right. so you know it's this whole idea where it's like oh, should i take this yeah you can you can even though this doofy son of a bitch is doing these crazy voiceovers which by the way i'm gonna have to reread through them and see i'd like to know more about how they're written out uh, you know, you can hear something and then it's, see it written. It means something totally different, or at least it does for me. Uh, but mm. yeah, I like that idea of of challenging those things, but with something that really, really, really makes you you make a lot of assumptions based on the fact that that voice is coming out of the record. Yeah, he's almost daring you to like take it seriously. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Like he gives you an inlet by being like, isn't this so ridiculous? But what if it wasn't? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's brilliant. And I'm also like, when, when guys like him and Richard Ayoade and uh, all the, that group of motherfuckers do this stuff mm. that is seemingly so simple and so brilliant, I get jealous because I'm like, fuck, why am I not simplifying my own stuff? Why do I think over my own stuff way, way, way too much? Because my joy in comedy has always been do the simplest thing you can for as long as possible. And uh, just as long as it's making you laugh. And I miss that. And so I like when something like this exists when it is what it is. Very much just a thing. Yes. And you know what? It's interesting because so like uh, uh, I I love um, <laughs> I'm going to be the only person in America, I think, who's ever said this. Mm-hmm. I prefer the sequel to Purple Rain more than Purple Rain <laughs> yeah. because I've seen uh, neither. Called, but please tell me more. So the sequel to Purple Rain is called Graffiti Bridge. And it came about because uh, Purple Rain, you know, was the phenomenon that it was that sure. Warner Brothers was like, Prince, we need another one. Uh-huh. And he only agreed to do it if he got complete creative control. <laughs> okay. Okay. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, Warner Brothers made the right decision saying yes, because it's a travesty. It's it's a train wreck <laughs> from moment one. Uh-huh. It makes no sense. Okay. Uh, it, the the reality of Purple Rain, the fact that it's shot in Detroit and that, you know, he's riding around and going to all these real places is completely mm-hmm. usurped by the fact that Graffiti Bridge is shot on, like, legitimate sets. It looks like West Side Story in the 80s. <laughs> like, it's unbelievable. His outfits are insane and, just, like, uncomfortable like at one point he's just wearing literally like garters and a thong with like a flowy shirt and you're like this is horrible (laughs) but his confidence Mm. and his sincerity overpower everything to the point where you you get it you're like I i get why he's doing this like this dance, this air humping is making me so uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but I, I get every second of it. And for some odd reason, like that's, you know, you keep talking about Matt Berry's voice and it's aided by Prince's like inherent sexuality. Like the fact that he is like a very sexually moving and, and you know, s- sculpted being. Sure. And the thing is, Matt Berry is not. <laughs> like, right. He, he's kind of like a schlubby British dude. And it's perfect because he's doing that confidence and that that <laughs> that same sort of like, this is what I'm presenting to you. And you just kind of, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're very I much along for the ride. in the summertime. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, to have your hook from the second you walk on screen, which is Prince, or to have your mm-hmm. hook the second you say a word, which is Matt Berry, that's a fucking that's a bit of magic right there. It's it's right? his Matt Berry's staying power is not just his voice, but for sure that is a huge part of it. I it is his hook. I mean, yeah, to the point where he works in community, which is not an English uh, Englishy show at all. It doesn't have the same feel as those other things. It's constantly up its own butt with with reference, and I love it. I I, I very much like that show, but that he somehow works. But he also works because he's playing a guy who's teaching grifting and who is grifting them at the same time. He's a perfect choice for that for that role in particular. I, I wouldn't yeah. even I wouldn't know how to cast him though. I would always feel like I'd be wasting him because he's such a powerhouse. I also, right. Well, he he's he's great as you know the side character actor, 
mm-hmm. because his uh, his bravado, you know, sort of brings reality to your main character mm-hmm. almost. Uh, I never saw the uh, Southern movie that he did. He did that movie with uh, like Steve Agee, and um, it, it takes place in like Georgia or something. Oh, I never saw that one. Okay. I really need to check it out. I will also have to check that out. I've not seen that. Do you? Uh, l- let's talk about what your favorite track is on this whole album. Do you know what it is? Do you have one? I, I go back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love uh, "Love Is a Fool," mm-hmm. o- only because it's so it's it it's so an unbelievable time capsule of this era of music. Like the 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 lyrics are just so funny to me in how accurate they are. Like, you know, like, love is a fool, so the Bible says. Like, that is a line from the 70s. It's dumb as shit, like all of that music was. And I say that lovingly. You know, I mean, the Eagles, or, you know, any of these artists, like, you know, the fucking Pina Colada song, for Christ's sake. Like, (laughs) it's the, there's, you know, saying things that are simple isn't a problem in that era. You know, using the emotional baggage that goes along with stuff. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a problem back then because it hadn't been done a million times. So sure. you say dumb things like love is a fool. So the Bible says you say dumb things like, you know, I want to hold your hand. And mm-hmm. it meant something back then because right. people were like, Oh shit. You know, <laughs> you're right. I do want to hold blanks. hand. <laughs> yeah. It's the first time yeah. you've heard it in, in that particular order. Um, this is why we should just end all entertainment right now so that uh, stuff just seems fresh again. Just stop it all. I mean, we have, basically. I mean, let's let's be honest. You, you're going to tell me the Tonight Show works? Uh, shot on his camera, whatever the fuck he's saying? Listen. Shots <laughs> fired! <laughs> we've rebooted entertainment. That's that's Maybe that'll be one thing we get out of this. I will tell you, I've edited a whole lot more podcasts. Um Oh my god! I, now I want to see Graffiti Bridge. Should I watch that before Purple Rain, or should I do the comparison and watch both? No, I would watch Purple Rain first so that you at least know, because it is. I, I think Graffiti Bridge is a better watch once you know, like, you see the elements where he's, where you see what he thinks worked mm-hmm. in Purple Rain, mm-hmm. and that's not what anybody was watching that movie for, <laughs> right? You know what's now occurring to me is like, again, speaking of this personality thing and going back to what we were talking about earlier, let's say Matt Berry, let's say one of these is already a concept album in his mind, or he comes up with a concept album a la Jesus Christ Superstar. The mm. one thing that's going to be consistent, uh, I think, between whatever, sorry, I hit my microphone, between whatever that ends up being and uh, what they were discussing on Jesus Christ Superstar is, that album will inevitably be better than anything it turns into because eventually Matt Berry wouldn't be able to be in it again. You know, if he was even on stage doing it somehow. Like, yeah. he is. he would be a core of whatever he was putting out there. And I do find that challenge interesting. The whole idea that, yeah, we put together a concept album to prove that this would work and this would be fun and this would be interesting and experiment with music. And then so many people are like, yeah, but the album's so much better. Like, it's just unavoidable. And it's, it's an interesting thing to me. Yeah, because it is a product of its time, the fact that it has this, like, crazy rhythm section, and it has, you know, Ian Glenn uh, uh, from Deep Purple and, you know, all these people coming together in a singular moment Mm -hmm. of recorded history, Mm -hmm. you know? And the idea also that they were talking about, oh, yeah, there was some improv in here, so I I can imagine people who are huge nerds for that show must be just dying inside that they can't hear those cuts. 
because uh, yeah, that it would never happen again. Yeah, in that same way. I would like Matt Berry yeah. to try this and then do stage it once and then watch everybody else fail also trying to stage it. Like it would be interesting. <laughs> it's an experiment. Well, it's like all those people who uh, uh, do the um, the show from Waiting for Guffman. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'd forgotten that happens. Yeah, which I, love that I, I so can't much. remember what the name of it is, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, people across America are obsessed. You know, especially community theater people are so obsessed with Waiting for Guffman that they think it's a fun idea to try to mount the show that's in Waiting for Guffman, and it's it it's simultaneously completely getting the point and completely missing the completely point. Completely <laughs> missing it. Yeah, it's this weird like let's attempt to take it back. Let's attempt to hey we we know wink wink we get what's going on. Look look what we can do, but also like. Yeah. Like, the thing you were playing with and playing from is something that was clearly at least slightly derisive, even if lovingly so, of you and your entire existence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what what happens when you lose Matt Barrett? Like, if you tried to do ADBC live right. and you don't have that personality, I mean, you know, he's... He's uh he he's doing some interesting things in that that movie and I highly recommend everybody watch ADBC yeah. is my uh that's my Christmas movie <laughs> like some people it's Die Hard yeah. every Christmas I watch ADBC <laughs> I love it uh and what he he's doing such interesting things and so he makes such interesting choices in it that I just don't I don't see any reason to do it you know like mm-hmm. and why would anybody do that again I don't know. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, it is a standalone, a standalone piece of art. But I, I would like the idea of creating something with the understanding that it will degrade in quality and appreciation as it goes on, even if it is brilliant. Uh, photocopies of photocopies. Yeah, like it, 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 it becomes that because if you do that show, isn't it inevitable that you've heard the original record? Maybe not, but I mean, early on, probably everybody had heard the record. And so you go yeah. and do it. You're doing the record. You can't find your own take. And I do wonder if you could do that blind and make it something as good as the original record. I don't know. Possibly. But nobody seems to think that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, I'm trying to think. Is there like what is the precedent for that aside from musical theater? Like because, you know, cast recordings come out all the time. Sure. And, you know, people do, you, you know, there's the original cast recording. That's the the staple, I guess. And then from there, you know, you ha- you're like, oh, I l-, you know, uh, the Sutton Foster recording of Anything Goes is clearly superior because <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. 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 People got get real opinionated on that. So I can't think of another example. And I'm now racking my brain to figure out what what would my version of that be, and I can't I can't think of that. I don't I have no idea. I mean, maybe movies because mm-hmm. you have Ocean's Eleven or sure. something like sure. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like remake remakes or like yeah, reboots uh, are for sure along the same lines. Uh, mm-hmm. The only ones where you can really draw a direct comparison though are like the shot for shots, like Psycho. Uh, oh yeah, that terrible Gus Van Sant. Some people like it on rewatch, and I don't know if I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, because the the last thing I ever need to see is Vince Vaughn pretending to masturbate behind a hole. I don't think I need that in my movie. Um, And yet somehow, didn't it just make your life complete? Oh, sure. Yeah, of course. It's like, oh, suddenly I didn't know I needed this, but this is what I needed. Um, Yeah, money shot, baby. (laughs) That joke already exists, right? That's out there. I don't know, but it's pretty good. There's no way I came up with that. It's pretty good, though. No, I mean, if if you're going to make a joke about Vince Vaughn coming, I think that's the only one you can make, right? (laughs) 
Yeah, that's the only way you can do it. It's like, because movies, isn't that weird, though, that because of the understood rules of the stage, there are certain things you just don't change. That doesn't exist anywhere else. That's not a thing in music. Uh, that's not a thing, yeah. you know, it's just on the stage. Like, no, 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 you, you must follow such and such rules. And also you can't yeah. say certain words backstage because we're insane. <laughs> because actors are <laughs> fucking dumb. <laughs> But, uh, oh, you're speaking of the Scottish plays, huh? <laughs> uh, oh, and I also I got caught whistling backstage once. Like, you don't whistle in a theater. I'm like, oh, God, oh fuck, I don't know. I, I will be fine. I will be fine. <laughs> what is wrong with <laughs> I was worried, though, a couple months ago. I was like, did somebody say Macbeth? Because five people slipped on the same thing this one night, and then I slipped on something separate and bruised all my ribs uh, that very yep. same night. So that was weird. Why were you guys leaving banana peels on stage? <laughs> I it don't... seems, in retrospect, not responsible. For Die Hard? Like, why, why was that even? <laughs> Who was eating a banana? John McClane doesn't eat a banana. Um, yeah. Yippee Kai. <laughs> I.A. Cowboy. <laughs> oh, yeah, that just was make the movie. homoerotic undertones of that movie even more. Yeah, just so. really deliver on them. Yeah, why not? Everybody's eating bananas and sausages. <laughs> uh, yeah, Rough we got the Germans. The from Germans my are eating land, the flowers. Mr. Yeah. McLean. <laughs> you might as well. You might. Again, no rules. No rules when it comes to remakes. No rules when it comes to re envisionings. But when you do a stage show, unless it's like. Uh, you know, like, it's Shakespeare truncated. Look at us. We can do five Shakespeare plays in one show. Isn't that fun? And I'm You know what? I did that show, and uh, it might have been one of the most fun I've I ever bet. done. I bet. No, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. But it is, like, that's the only way you're, like, allowed to interpret, except for, like, weirdly, in sets or in wardrobe. You know? It's, it's the uh, things that surround the text that you're allowed to change and update, but... So uh, I I did uh, Complete Works of Shakespeare Bridge, what, seven years ago, something mm-hmm. like that. And uh, in in the, the last third, I feel like, almost of the show, or last quarter maybe of it is Hamlet. And then mm. you do Hamlet in reverse. Uh, and I think I was Polonius. I can't remember who I was. Uh, but I, uh, I did it as uh, Matt Berry. <laughs> <laughs> Can we get a taste of that? I I did the whole thing as like, uh, my lord, I saw your father yesternight. <laughs> Damn it, that's good. Did it get a laugh immediately? <laughs> I hope it got some like just because it's inherently funny to do that voice. Did it? I, I hope you got the reaction you were looking for. Uh, it didn't. It, the voice by itself didn't do that much. But uh, when I didn't reverse, because you have to, you know, Lord, yesterday night, Father, I saw. <laughs> oh wow! Wait, it's fully in reverse in that way. Jesus Christ! Okay, yeah. that is. Yeah. So wow, you do wow. it, and then you do it in reverse, and then you do it in like halftime or something. All right, the 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 whole show is basically like shitty improv game. Sure, sure, sure. But <laughs> but it's so much fun. I bet that's remarkable. No, I'd, I'd probably yeah. enjoy that. That's really good. I love that you fucking fully did a Matt Berry on stage. <laughs> That's really great. Well, and you know, seven years ago was probably it was you know probably less, even less so. You know, the <laughs> people trying to find shit on the internet was even less so than it is now. Sure. Uh, so, so the uh, the proliferation of that was it was uh, even less um, <laughs> than the uh, barely amount that people watch Garth Ferengi now. <laughs> right. Right. Is there or a bit... snuff box or whatever? Uh, sure, that's that's a fun show. It's a weird show. What about okay? Mm-hmm. So on this album, we we've sort of roughly talked about like favorite tracks, but is there like a bit of um, 
mind-blowing um, orchestration or something that's like, I don't know how they did that, or I'm partic particularly impressed with it. Because it overall is an impressive-sounding record, but is there something on there that just... There's no, there, there's nothing that blows my mind sound wise mm -hmm. uh, in the sense of like how do they do that but there is stuff that's like homage that um that I love uh like uh, there, there's a super big debt to Harry Nielsen with the vocals on this mm -hmm. the 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 way that he overdubs vocals is like straight off of Nielsen Schmielsen uh which if nobody's heard go check out that album it's uh from the 60s uh it, it, for anybody who doesn't know Harry Nielsen was a recording artist in the 60s and 70s uh he was best friends with John Lennon when uh, the Beatles first became popular and they were asked who their favorite recording ar artist was they immediately together said Harry Nielsen interesting and uh, Harry Nielsen never performed live. He only made albums. Mm -hmm. um, and he was a studio rat. He he loved layering vocals and creating these lush textures. And Matt Berry does that incredibly well. Like, you know, the, like the three backing vocals, you know, in harmony that are like placed just right above the main vocal. He does it in such a beautiful way that's balanced and uh, 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 for doing it all himself. It's insane. <laughs> right. My God. Huh. And doing it all, you know, whatever. Uh, so that's 15 years, probably actually 16 to 17 years ago now mm -hmm. with, you know, probably a shitty ass fucking Pro Tools rig mm -hmm. that like was laggy as fuck and sucked a dick. <laughs> <laughs> like recording has come insane amounts in the past five years, mm -hmm. let alone the past 17 years. Right. Does it have, I feel like I saw, maybe if I go to the cover of it, I think I saw, okay, you know what, here we go. So the back of the CD does list the other, the the supplemental musicians, as it were, all of the other people. Uh, cause, mm. But it says like on certain tracks, certain tracks, so he must be playing a lot of this stuff. Again, uh, he lists all the, the synths he used and all this stuff and drum boxes, et cetera, et cetera. Holy shit. He lists the kind of guitar he uses. Like, he's fully serious about everything that's on here. It's like he wants you to know how he made this record. Uh, yeah, you're yeah. right. He made it he's from 2003 nerd. to 2004. <laughs> yeah, he's a huge nerd. Um, <laughs> wow. That's remarkable. Yeah, he's got all the information on there. So if you want to know every type of instrument or person that was involved in it, here it is. Uh, it's all in the back. You can see it on Discogs.com, folks, if you want to check it out. Um, and this nice. was released on vinyl, for those of you who do not know. You can get this album, or could at least at one point, get it on vinyl. Yeah, Acid know. Jazz Records, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. what I'm seeing. Yep. Um, uh, also, uh, what is it, Jet Setter? He just straight up does basically Bob Newhart, <laughs> right? Uh -huh. Yeah, very it's much It's a Bob so. Newhart gag. It is. Like that... That's sort of like, uh, what do you do? Some kind of uh, jet set. Like the one-sided conversation. Oh, I touch wood. It's an expression. <laughs> <laughs> Lincoln, it's baby, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good bit. It's a good bit. I, I'm, uh, Man, you know, because here's the thing. We have people bring up albums on here, like the one I talked about before this. Uh, my guests will not be offended for me to say I will never listen to that record again. Uh, this one, I want to. Also, it's my style of music, but uh, I want to re-listen to this. And you know, it's, it's interesting because it's like, I almost want, I don't know, have you heard the XTC, uh, any of the XTC psychedelic albums? No. 
I feel like I should um, find a way for you to be able to listen to them, um, if only to compare them in terms of like, here's what a bunch of guys are doing just to recreate psychedelia, which is what he's doing too, but they're also doing it with a sense of humor. But it would be interesting mm. to compare them because they are not comedians. Andy Partridge is very funny, very funny writer, but he's not yeah. a comedian. And I think it's an interesting juxtaposition. Or it could be completely uninteresting and not worth your time. But, you know. Well, I, I, uh, uh, another sort of uh, interesting touchstone uh, is the documentary Dig, mm -hmm. um, which is a, it's a documentary uh, that chronicles the progression of uh, the Brian Jonestown massacre and the Dandy Warhols, which are two f fundamentally uh, uh, psychedelic-esque throwback bands that mm. came out of uh, the 90s sort of nostalgia for that sort of stuff. And they are supremely unironic about, you know, creating this music. And mm. uh, uh, Anton Newcomb is the guy who uh, w was basically the Brian Jonestown massacre. He he wrote and recorded all the songs. Mm -hmm. And very unironically recreating that sound and the 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 elements that went into that and you know it's you know the the, the fetishistic sort of uh, uh uh attention to the details of like oh sitars and you know wall of sound and all these kinds of things mm -hmm. and the fact that it is not humorous at all he is not he is the opposite of a humorous person sure you know you can kind of almost uh a b you know the the approaches to kind of see where the differences lie of like oh you know, this sort of effortlessness, this sort of humorous aspect of it, this sort of ambiguity of it versus, you know, the uh, uh, complete like, we're remaking the Beatles, motherfucker. <laughs> Which, by the way, that's another thing I have where Andy Partridge legitimately just goes and remakes Strawberry Fields for no reason. Uh, <laughs> Which XTC album am I looking at here? Uh, okay, so the Oranges and Lemons was their release as XTC that was their psychedelic kind of psychedelic influence which by the way runs through everything they do after they stop being really punk um they're right. punk pop but then they also were the dukes of stratosphere that was a a group that they pretended to be and there were two <laughs> records but they combined them onto a full-length record so really it's only two records but technically it was three um and the i think it's called chips from the chocolate fireball is the name of the full combined record and it's brilliant and it's got elements of like kind of Alice in Wonderland style dialogue in some of it um, and just really well recreated, very atmospheric. And it's one of those things like this that recreates it in a way uh, like you're talking about with this serious attention to detail. Like if, I don't know, I'm a big fan of movies that have music uh, or, or footage that's supposed to be older and it's never properly aged or it doesn't sound like it was actually <laughs> recorded in the time. And so when somebody, <laughs> I, it fucking drives me nuts. So when somebody does it right, when somebody puts the yeah. right effort into it, it's like, oh, thank God. This makes me, it helps me lose myself in whatever we're watching or listening to. Yeah. 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 It, feel, it feels, uh, it feels like th they've got it mm -hmm. so you can relax and, yeah. you know, you, you don't have to put on the critical glasses because you're not going to be fooled. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I, and I don't feel with opium, uh, I feel like Matt Berry could totally stand out as, no, this is not legitimate, but it, there's something about it where it's like, no, I can imagine that guy existing then. It's just still weird. I can imagine this voice within this music and it doesn't throw me. It just works somehow. Yeah. 
I mean, it's funny that you say Shatner because it, mm. th- there are elements of this that are the transform man. Yes, you know, one hundred percent the 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 over the top performance, the kind of like you know, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, like you said, I pull back my skin and push forward with triumphant vigor. <laughs> <laughs> like if Paul Freese had put out an album, you know, other than the Poster People, like they oh, kind God. of would oh. have been something like this. Oh, the Buster people is so terrible. <laughs> it's so yeah, bad. I and I love know. Paul Freeze. But yeah. Oh, boy. Doing what he does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is my foreskin actually stretching? I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Or is it your imagination? <laughs> so sorry. Uh, Nick, um, <laughs> you're a delight. As we know. Everybody knows. Thank you. Delight. Why uh, tell people? Why listen to this album? I, I I don't think there's anything like it. I don't think anybody is... I don't think there's an artist out there that's making something that's so passionate and yet so confusing. And, and it, it, it's never harsh or irritating it's ne- it never loses you no there's no part of this album that's unlistenable it's it's well done and it feels like a statement of an artist and that's i i, I don't think there's anything like it a- anywhere it's amazing it's equal parts william shatner and equal parts mark mike oldfield and it 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 capitalizes on bravado and subtlety simultaneously. It's it's wild. It's it's a great great album. It's well written. It's well played. It, it, there there's nothing like it. Yeah, I have no choice but to go back and listen to it again. Uh, yeah. I'd like to get it on vinyl though. I have a I have a feeling it's probably a nice presentation on vinyl. Uh, mm-hmm. Once I feel comfortable having things shipped to my house that haven't been touched, that have been touched by strangers. <laughs> You know, <laughs> Purell the shit out of it. You know, <laughs> as soon as it arrives, it. <laughs> just like the whole cover is smeared. Um, mm-hmm. Nick, this is going to come out uh, not next week, but the following week. Uh, do you have anything you want to oh. promote? Tell people where you are. Uh, well, like everyone else, I'm at home right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Um, what, what, I don't know if I have anything. I'm, uh, you can go back and listen to the back catalog of, uh, uh, the podcast that I did for like five ish years. Uh, what's with you, Scooby Doo? It's kind of on hiatus slash done, but might be coming back. I'm not entirely sure what I'm doing with it, but, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, you can go back and listen to what's with you, Scooby Doo on all podcasting platforms. Past guests have included, uh, uh, Tony Thaxton of Motion City Soundtrack, uh, John Colton Barry, who wrote Be Cool Scooby-Doo, and, you know, uh, my neighbors. Uh (laughs) So there's a wide (laughs) gamut of uh, characters showing up on that podcast where I invite them to watch an episode of Scooby-Doo with me and then barely talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a good show if I don't like Scooby-Doo and I still enjoy doing your show. So, I mean. Yeah. Uh, Jason Klom, of course, uh, uh, guest. (laughs) Oh. Oh, I wasn't uh, fishing. Listen, mm, 
It's a good show. And it's- you know, uh, while I'm at it, uh, why don't why doesn't everybody just go check out uh, 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 oh God, Lords of Soaptown? <laughs> Oh, geez, Nick, I wasn't... Nick also does a theme song for my podcast, Anna Jay's Comedy Hour. Uh, It was there for our 25th anniversary as a comedy group, and it has just stayed because I like it so much. Um, Mm. Yeah, it's a good good song. You did a a damn good job on that, Nick. Thank you, thank you. And Mm -hmm. in this time of social distancing, you might want a book. Uh, My buddy uh, uh, Aaron wrote uh, Effin' Birds, which is uh, actually one of the funniest books I've read in a while. So go check that out on Amazon. (laughs) Please, please listen to, listen, yeah, listen to Nick's book, friend's book. Listen to Nick's book's friend. That's what I was about to say. Um, Read Nick's friend's book. Why would you not? Yeah. Um, uh, I think at one point, yeah, some of the bird descriptions are so unbelievable. If, if you don't know effing birds, uh, go check it out on Twitter and then uh, decide if you, you'll buy the book because it's great. I love it. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. This has been, uh, or uh, as you referred to in the Robes household, J-Bone. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Son of a bitch. Uh, that's good. I like that I have a nickname that is within a certain group of people. Uh, that's phenomenal. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for listening. And as always, have a good thing. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. You can email us at podcast at comedyonvinyl.com. You can also send snail mail to Stolen Dress Entertainment, P.O. Box 805, Burbank, California, 91503. Subscribe to Comedy on Vinyl on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Comedy on Vinyl, or find everything in one place at ComedyOnVinyl.com. A major portion of Comedy on Vinyl has been underwritten by Stand Up Records. Please visit StandUpRecords.com for all your comedy needs and tune in to the new Stand Up Records channel available on the Roku, where you can also find select episodes of this podcast. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15 plus years. Stolen Dress Entertainment. Hey, it's my turn. Ah!